0: Hi and welcome back to the Mantor Cruise podcast. And this week we have a very special episode. We're going to talk about the transition to go from an hands-on individual contributor to a manager position. And I feel like as an engineer or maybe even in tech in general, the career path of people is very um, predefined. You start at maybe a junior-like position, you go on to become a mid-engineer or a mid-designer, you stay there for a while until you prove yourself that you can take on the responsibility of a senior position and then you go that way. But after that, it's much more unclear. You might go to the way of becoming um, a tech lead or you can take the path and become an engineering manager, which we're talking about today. That jump is not always easy. Sometimes it fails. Sometimes management is just not up to expectations of the person. But exactly that we want to learn today. We're talking to Nas Delam who's an engineering manager at Netflix and has made that jump from individual contributor, we're going to talk about what has change exactly entails and what the big difference between the two positions actually is. Hey Nas, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the Cruz Podcast.
1: Hi Dan, thank you. I'm glad to be here today.
0: Awesome. We're going to jump right into the topic, but first of all, I just want to give you the stage for a second and give you the chance to talk about yourself, what you're doing, what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Well, hi everyone. I'm Nance. I have been on Venture Cruise about a year and today is the first day on my vacation. So I'm pretty excited having my holiday cup and, and talking to Dom about all the things we've done on Venture Cruise and the experience. So I'm very excited for this talk. Currently, I'm an engineering manager at Netflix and working on building uh, products for building animation content on the platform. And uh, before that, I worked as an IC, which is like individual contributor at Netflix, and also was a software architect and a manager on uh, a fintech company.
0: Cool. Yeah, so so much experience to share. That's awesome. And what we're going to talk today is basically this, right? Going from this IC role to engineering management, which couldn't have been too easy. But before that, I'd really like to bring this up again. So you've been mentoring for a year on Mentor Cruise and I checked it out the other day and you're actually a top mentor, like you're in the top five or so of highest rated mentors ever. So before we jump into it, what's your secret sauce?
1: I don't think it's me. I think it's having great mentees and thank you for rating me for being the top (laughs) five. I I wish that I did a really great job with everyone I talked to. I try to be authentic and I try to be transparent and bring their authentic self. Uh, to the picture. so I think that's—I don't know—it's there's a secret sauce, but that's basically the way I I work, the way I live, and you know every interaction I have in my life. So I think it's all about my mentees that I'm there. It's nothing about me. So thank you.
0: Awesome. <laughs> is it is it maybe even similar to engineering management, where you know you're going from being hands on, let's say a coder, to then empowering others in your team to code? Do you kind of Are you able to, to pull out parallels from that?
1: Absolutely. I think also this mentorship role were a huge factor in me getting to an engineering management role, because that's with with me mentoring people that's proven to myself that I can empower and enable people. And again, and again, and again, this happened on this platform and I was like, yes, maybe this is the right path for me. I should do this on a larger scale. I should do this on the business also and continue this path. So absolutely. I think this has a huge factor in me moving from IC to a manager.
0: Super cool. I want to kind of jump back to, to earlier in your career, so you and build a career for you in San Francisco, right, in kind of the, the the heart of tech. Do you feel like it's very competitive to get? You know, you, you work at Netflix, which is one of the biggest tech companies uh, in the world. Is it, is it a competitive environment to to get in those companies and then also grow into the positions that you have now?
1: I do think Silicon Valley is competitive, not in a negative sense, in a positive sense, because you do have a lot of a smart people to learn from here. So it is competitive. But also you have a lot of opportunities here to learn and grow. You can have a lot of access to different people who can mentor you, access to conferences, access to different companies. You can go visit places and get motivation. So yes, it is competitive, but also it's lots and lots of opportunities. And if you, if you really are a motivated person, this can be a launchpad for you to start your career here.
0: Yeah, I see it the same way. Can you maybe talk us, obviously you've been, you know, an excellent engineer um, for a long time, a software architect and, and get, went into those positions. Can you talk us through the decision of then going into management, which I guess uh, isn't as hands-on anymore instead of, let's say, in a tech leading position or, or, you know, a leading engineer, which is still very hands-on?
1: When I reflect back and think about this, I don't think this happened over a one for a year. I feel like this has been in me... For years, even from the time that I was a junior engineer, I was really curious into learning about the people side of things, how decisions are made, what are the challenges we are facing with our users, how projects run end to end. And this happened gradually over my career where I exposed myself more and more to the people side although I was coding and I was an engineer, but I really enjoyed that collaboration side of working with people and overcoming people challenges on projects, on things that are complex. Even when I grow, I always ask my managers that, can I take something on that side? You know, I always wanted to contribute, like leading a project end to end or having difficult conversations with our users. And I remember during my career, people always send me like, you're a great persuader, like you can work with people. So I keep getting these feedbacks over time and keep growing also in areas that I feel like I have to grow to become better. So I'm an engineer at heart. I love engineering. I love coding. I do still code for my personal stuff on the side, and I don't think I would ever stop doing that, but it's just at my job, I just love that factor of enabling, empowering having difficult conversations, resolving conflicts. These are just enjoyments for me. I don't know why. And, but I think like every engineer at some point has to choose a path of which side of the job are more interesting to them and trying to grow in that. For me, it was the people side and I'm so glad that I chose this because I'm so happy with my job right now.
0: In the last episode that we did, it was actually a lot about career development. And, and one thing that stood out to me was. That early in your career, or if you want to grow in your career, uh, you should build your, your leadership skills. And, and one part is kind of what you mentioned, right? Basically raising your hand and, and bringing up difficult things and, and being able to take on responsibilities. Was that something that came naturally to you or was it something that you effectively did and just, yeah, paid attention to?
1: I think speaking up is always hard. I don't know if people are very natural, if they are. That's awesome. But I, it wasn't very natural for me. Um, At the beginning, speaking up was a struggle, but I always tell myself, if I don't raise it, I will never get it. So this Mm -hmm. want inside me, this, you know, motivation always pushed me to go more and more and face these, you know, challenges that I have on the way. And I was lucky. I had great managers during my career. You know, some people don't have those and they have struggles with their managers, but I did have really awesome managers who were really understanding and, they also were really transparent with me in terms of growth trajectory yet. So I, I raised my hand. It wasn't, it wasn't natural, but I, that's something I always tell my mentees. If I, if you don't tell people that you want this opportunity or you're interested, you'll never, they will never know. And that's also a key to getting, you know, in career development, it's just raising your hand and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm interested in this just. Tell me how to get there. Maybe I'm not ready today, but I, I want to be ready for this and just help me get
0: there. In, in actionable terms, when did you kind of realize now's the right time to go into management and how did you start that transition?
1: I don't think there was a moment that you say it's a right time. I just opened the door to interviews. The reason I became a mentor is because during my career, there weren't too many people who tell me what to do. And when I started actually talking to a couple of people, Then my career actually started to change because I got different feedback from different people. So I started to have these anchor points for myself in my career, people who know me very well, and I can always double check with them, am I ready? I got good feedback. I got good feedback from my colleague. I got good feedback from my manager. And honestly, internally, I didn't know if I'm fully 100% ready. I think you never know if you're 100% ready. Even if you're doing interview, you'll never be 100% ready. You need to do a leap of faith and jump in and try. And what's the worst thing going to happen? That's what I told myself. The worst things I'm going to fail and they're going to tell me here is a bunch of things that you need to learn more and improve on. And I'm going to take those on and try again. And if you really want something, just, just go for it. Just take a leap of faith. And the worst thing is you will learn, which is the best thing. And those learnings actually helped me. So the first time I interviewed for a manager, I failed. The second time I felt, the third time I felt, the fourth time I felt. I had so many failures. I didn't get it on the first interview. I wasn't ready when I jumped in, but it was really good because then people looked at me with the lens of an engineering manager and gave me constructive feedback in those interviews. And I took those feedback and I worked on myself. I identify areas of growth, I got coaches, I read books and, you know, I took on projects that can grow me into those directions. And then the fifth interview looks like I was there and I got it on the fifth interview, but it wasn't so easy. It wasn't from the first time.
0: Yeah. Perseverance pays off.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Awesome. And, and you did that transition if I understand correctly, within Netflix, right? So you were there as yes. an individual contributor and were able to test the waters and then also do that transition within the companies. So do, do you feel like that's a good playground also to, to kind of for, uh, try that first step instead of going outside kind of into the cold water as an engineering manager?
1: It really depends on the company. I can say the reason I stayed at Netflix is just I love the company. I love the culture. I love how leadership works. And I felt like my leadership style really matches the company and mm-hmm. how it works. I did interview outside. I've had offers from other companies out, outside, but I didn't go. I wanted to stay at Netflix. I, I love this company. This culture just speaks to me. I didn't see myself leaving. I wanted to try harder before I have to leave. I, I knew I wanted manager and being a manager. So I knew that was important and more than staying at Netflix. But I did wanted to give it time to see if I can get this at Netflix and that would be a dream come true.
0: When did, when did the whole mentoring part factor in? Was that already after that transition or was this something you picked up before and maybe also gave you some, some benefit as you made that transition?
1: I've been mentoring for, for a couple of years now. Even before mentor cruise, I did a lot of volunteer mentoring and girls who code, women who code, women tech makers. Uh, there's a lot of platforms that you know, you can also mentor, even before all of these platforms, I used to mentor people at the company and my friends even, but I've never done it in an official way. And what Mentor Crews enabled is just a platform that you're officially a mentor and they support you so well through it. And I, I had a really great time with my mentees. I feel like people who come in are well vetted in some way and they really are committed And with mentor crews, that's really standing out to me because when I did outside this platform before I mentor people, but they're not committed. Like here's the things you have to take on, or here's a study plan, but they never do it they don't show up. So I always felt like I am the person who is hundred percent committing, but the other party is not. With mentor crews, it was a both-sided commitment, which both my mentees were coming in hundred percent. And they want to grow. They were motivated and you've done a great job. I don't know how you all did it, but you've done a great job by bringing people who are motivated truly. And they want to grow. It's always mentors learning from mentees too. And I've learned a ton from every person I talk to and I learned about myself. And I asked their feedback, like, what can I do better? You know, is there anything I can grow in? And they always give me really great feedbacks. And those feedbacks were really awesome points of reference for me when I was moving to management. Because as a manager, you're kind of your job, or one of the jobs you have is coaching and mentoring. You have so many other jobs. You, you have to do project management. You have to do some leadership forms. But one of the jobs is coaching and mentoring. And I think that's one of the most important part of being a manager is empowering and, and enabling people. And if I can do a good job out of office as, as a person to empower and enable, I told myself, I can I can do a good job of that, even doing that in the business world.
0: Also, what you mentioned, the transition from, you know, being a coder or being an individual contributor to, to engineering management, there's so much more that's going to be on your back, basically. Did, did you struggle with that transition initially? Or what was the, the kind of challenges that you were facing during that time?
1: It's totally a different role. Like when you're in an IC, I think one of the main differences is you are the problem solver, right? You, you get a problem, you want to jump in and solve it. You're also a problem finder. You go find these all of these issues, you come up with proposals and you solve them at the end, or you get a team together to solve the problem. But when you're a manager, you're none of those. You're not a problem finder. You're not a problem solver. You're enabling your team to find problems and solve problems. And it was so hard for me to hold myself at the beginning, because we do have this natural tendency as engineers to keep solving problems, but we should give people a space, we should give people space to go solve it and also to make mistakes and also to fail. And it's hard. And maybe one of the aspects of mentorship is that you don't want to give your mentees all the answers. Otherwise they will never learn. How do you give that a space? You don't not jumping in with answer. Hey, here's the way you will solve this. Here's the answer. But you give them a space and time, even if they take them a week to solve a problem. But you wait until they do it, not when you do it. So this was a big transition and shift between the mindset of problem solver and an enabler. And also, you know, being an, being a lot more busy as, as a manager, you know, you are more responsible for different things. You're going more into meetings than you're coding. I don't code at all at work. It's. You know, managers at Netflix are people managers and they don't believe in coding and managing people because both of them are a full-time job and no one can do two full-time jobs together. But it was a quite a bit of transition. Management is not a, a promotion. I think a lot of people look at going to an IC to a manager as a promotion and they think they got a promotion high and, you know, be growing in the career. But it's not like that. You're transitioning horizontally in these roles, not vertically. And for me, it's just a brand new role. When I entered management, it's a brand new world. And from being an individual contributor, now I am a junior manager and you should be comfortable with becoming junior again, after like many, many years of experience in your career, going back to level zero should be comfortable for you. So it's totally a different role, lots of challenges, lots of different way of thinking and um it was challenging at the beginning it definitely there were moments i had lots of moments of even self-doubt that can i do this you know wow this is getting real and i have a very supportive manager and a supportive you know people at netflix who always advocate for me and been there for me I, you know i always check together as the reference point, people who also become new managers, always rely on them to talk to them and see how other people are feeling in this role. And then I realized I'm not the first one who's getting very challenged. And I'm not the first one who's doubting myself. There's everyone on this role. And this is a phase that we all gonna go through and be overcome at the end.
0: First of all, you know, super impressive doing that transition and then doing it so well, it must've been not easy at all. Who do you think? This transition is really for, as you say, a lot of people think it's, it's kind of the natural next step from being a, a senior engineer, right? To go into engineering management. And then maybe people get disappointed to some degree that they can't code anymore, that it's more about people. What are the qualities of a good manager?
1: Oh, great questions. A lot of different things. I don't know if I know them all because people are different and being good is so relative, so I will tell the things that I think it's, I'm doing it to be a good manager. Definitely being a transparent person and honest, be authentic, you know, especially when you're a new manager, you don't want to replicate someone else's style. A lot of people who move from IC to being a manager, they start to manage people like they're past managers or manage people like they're someone that they admired, but be your true self and really find that for yourself? What is your style? Because good is very relative for different people. But as a manager, you want to listen. And also as a mentor, you want to listen a lot than you talk. And I'm talking on this podcast so much, but usually when I'm doing mentorship sessions, I'm mostly listening. And as a manager, you don't also want to listen to words. You also want to listen to interactions. And that's another level of listening. And, you know, we want to observe, we want to become a better observer. That's a skill that a person has to grow when they move to leadership to identify people's strengths and before they realize it and go to them and tell them, Hey, here's the things I'm seeing in you, you're strong at this early enough in their career for them to be able to get successful at, at their career. And there is these aspects of, you know, micromanaging, which is something I always don't like, even as an IC and don't want to be as a manager ever. Um, and that's come back to listening and observing. How do you observe work without asking about work? I think that's something that the manager has to grow on because you don't want to go to your engineer every day and say, Hey, what's about this project? How much more, you know, what's left. But you also want to have an eye and observe it from the back. So how do you sit in the back of the room, but be in the front of the room at the same time? And a lot more goes to dealing with people, interacting with people, understanding people, personalizing. People are very different. You, one way can't work for everyone on your team. Same as mentoring. One way is not going to work for everyone, every mentor that you work with. You need to understand the best way that people learn and the best way that motivates people. And everyone is different. And when you find those, you need to tailor your communication, your collaboration, even your, the way that you empower people to their way, and always ask the questions first before making assumptions. And the last thing I always tell myself, even as, as a person, as a mentor, as an engineer, it's around prioritizing understanding and delaying judgment. And this comes to even daily life, Right? Don't make judgments so fast, especially as as a leader, that's so important to be able to get the context, learn, and then make a decision or make a judgment about someone. I heard a story from someone, where even walking on the street and keep judging people without knowing their story. That's like a very normal day-to-day life example, but this comes to very complicated things at work. And it helped me tremendously to delay this judgment. And understand people and confront with trust.
0: It really sounds like the transition is a full-on career change, right? The same way that maybe someone would switch out their hard skills of coding to hard skills of uh, of designing. It's really about you know becoming a good manager. How did you prepare for that transition? You know, were you able to pick up the theory behind it as well, or or was it you know first day in the cold water and figuring out how how things work? I
1: think the transition was through years and it wasn't something that i knew overnight it started when my library changed so i i love books and you can see a lot of it i have multiple libraries and when i started as an engineer my library was full of technical books and then when i get more and more interested into management then my library started to shift and more management leadership project management psychology philosophy and i'm like oh what happens to me? Am I diverging from my path? Am I should I be studying more technical? But I reach a point that I read like two technical books and five other non-technical books. And I was still an engineer, but I was studying more and more non-technical things. I was studying more and more about collaboration, communication, venting, trust, running projects, strategical thinking. And also it grew me as an engineer. You don't need to be a manager to be a leader. You can be an engineer and be a leader and that made me a great engineer. I was able to lead complicated projects and I still, I could stay as an engineering leader. I didn't need to become a manager, but that transition started with my library. When I look back that things shifted. Now, if you look back at this library, you're probably going to find like two three non-technical books, two, three technical books, but the rest of the things that you're seeing here is all non-technical self development people development different various topics team building maybe that helped me build a foundation over time understand this role more and really be sure when i'm making the transition i was 100% in it and that's what i tell people you need to be you need to believe this is 100% for you you will not going to be 100% ready but you need to know 100% want this Because, you know, a lot of companies for me, I felt like if I go to this role, I don't want to come back out of it again. You know, I wanted to go this role ready and just continue improving. I didn't want to do back and forth. So I took time to, to reach that point that this is hundred percent for me. And absolutely these mentorships were a huge indicator in that, in that decision that this is hundred percent for me.
0: What are your favorite books in your library that you picked up?
1: I have a lot of favorites. Well, let's look at here because every, every library have a different things. I recently learned a book called Turn the Ship Around, which is talks about team building. And it's an amazing book, which we can maybe link down the podcast or somewhere For sure, later yeah. on. It's an amazing book talks about how do you lead a team of leaders, not a team of followers. And this is basically so much to my style of working with people. And uh, I believe everyone on my team are the leaders. And I am the servant and the coordinator and person who are enabling and empowering them. I am not the leader of the team. And a lot of people who become managers. They think they are the, you know, they have all the power and they're going to get even more power by becoming a manager, but that's not true. When you are shifting to a manager, your power reduces, you are now a coordinator. You're serving people. And you need to understand and know how to work and build a team of leaders, not a team that just follows you as a leader. And that's a strong team. This shifted my mindset so much into team building. Another book that I always recommend for women, because I had a lot of self-doubts during my career. You know, it wasn't easy. It's not easy to grow. It's, it's always hard. Challenge is hard. And we face it and we grow out of it. But facing it is hardness. And there is this book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Off, which I was one of those nice girls when I started my career. I was nice. I didn't want to ask for things. I didn't want to speak up. I just wanted to be a nice girl and I wanted everyone on the team to like me. I mean, that's good, but not by sacrificing myself, you know, and this, this book really enabled me to see my shortcomings and to change myself into a person who be a spokesperson who can go and stand on a stage in a conference and give a talk. I wasn't that person. I wasn't that confident. And I wish I had a mentor when I was early in my career. And that's one of the reason I actually joined Mentor Cruise was that that wish that I all the time had that I wish I had a mentor who told me who told me about this book like two years before. <laughs> you know, or who told me about all of these things when I needed it. It was hard to find and seek and find things and some people don't. So that's the reason I am here.
0: That's so powerful. A lot of engineers, I feel like they're building out their, their hard skills very aggressively to be able to kind of go through the ranks to that senior position, but you know, soft skills matter in engineering itself. And then it matters even more once you go to an engineering management position. Can people build soft skills kind of in a similar way that they do hard skills or is it a, a kind of different domain that people should look at?
1: I think learning is different for people. Like I, I learn different way than than others. For me, I mean, I, I learn my technical skills by doing. So by coding, building projects, reading documents, these are the things that makes me learn my technical skill. But softer skills are different. You need to put it into practice, but not with the machine, but with people. And the hardness comes about the mistakes. If you make a mistake in the code, it's so easy, right? You just console lock, here it is. Let's change it, no heart, no fail. But then you make a mistake with people in communication in collaboration, then it's the trust is in there and that's harder to build up. It's no longer a computer or a machine that can just wipe it out and rewrite it from the beginning. So it's more diligent and knowing when and how to bring up something and knowing what areas that you have to improve, it's so crucial. Because it also have a way more impact than a technical skill. I have seen people who are technically awesome, but they can't run a project end to end. And as you see in Silicon Valley, it's changing. We don't just want people who are technically great. We want people who can run projects, who can make decisions, who can communicate and collaborate. We want people who can work with other people. And. That's the two part, even nowadays, when you look at hiring across Silicon Valley, you do see a lot of interviewers who look into your soft skills in addition to your technical skill. So learning it might be for you a different way. For me was learning books, you know, learning about ideas, looking at myself, a lot of self-awareness, what areas I have to incorporate, what are the things I can incorporate in my work to get better and just keep asking for that feedback over and over again to reach a point that I know I must still have a ton to grow, a ton. I have like a wide road in front of me. I don't know if that road ever ends for everyone, especially in softer skills. With technical skills, you can say, okay, I know everything in React. I know everything in JavaScript. I'm a great backend engineer. You will reach your cap, but I don't think you ever reach your cap in software skills. It's always vast. It's always an area to be better.
0: For people that learn best by doing, what are kind of actionable things that they could do maybe before, you know, going for a transition as an engineer to support their team or kind of practice their people-empowering skills?
1: I always say, become a mentor. And that's, that's <laughs> an awesome way of putting your skills into practice outside work and really getting feedback from different people. One thing about mentorship, you get a chance to work with a variety of People. If you do it like at work, you work with people who are a good fit for your company, and with mentorship, you work with variety of people and with different personalities, with different needs, and you're really putting yourself into practice of can I serve variety of people with different needs and different personalities, and can my softer skills shine here, or is there areas that I'm lacking? I can I can only be great with this type of people, but I don't know how to handle this type of people. I have to work more on this area. One example that I had in in that term is was I was always really good with people who communicate very well. So I always could work well with them because that was my happy path. But when it comes to people who can't really express and communicate, I couldn't shine. And that was an area I have to grow myself into. Like how do you communicate with someone who doesn't want to communicate back to you? And that was so hard and learning about those. So working with these various type of people and really exposing yourself and then see what are the gaps there and really look back and reflect. And reflection is a big part of my career. I do it every week. Reflect back onto myself. See, how did, how did I do this week? How did I do with my mentorship? What can I do better? And it's, it's funny because now I reach a point that I know my shortcomings before people realize it. So when they tell me, I'm like, mm, good, yeah, on target, on point, you're right. I know it. I'm working on it. So really putting yourself out there as a mentor can be a good practice of softer skills. Communication and collaboration. I mean, conference talks are good. You can you can see if you can convey a point to, to an audience. Are they taking that point clearly and really thinking about your audience? Because we can just go up there and give a conference talks and you'll be late, done. But it's all about what are the audiences taking out of this talk, and am I clear enough in my points? So checking with your audience after your talk and see if they actually took the points that you wanted they take from your talk because sometimes they don't. Actually, the first two three conference talks I gave was a disaster. I don't think anyone understood anything. And then when I checked with the audience, they're like, "Oh, like they they get a different picture." I'm like, "What is wrong with my talk? I'm not." Speaking clearly, there are too many points on this talk. They don't even remember. I should reduce it. Clarity, both in communication, written and speaking communication is, is a really good, soft skill to build up in the career. Conference talks, the mentorships, like two things that help me and I hope it helps other people too.
0: That's amazing. Especially the part about, you know, trying to get honest feedback. Having these, these big talks and maybe getting feedback from a crowd is a, a very good way Um, of getting that feedback at scale as well, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I I feel like maybe one worry um, that people have before they do that transition is that there's so many places to go when you're an engineer, right? You can continue on that path of being technical or you can maybe change your focus, change your programming language. When you're in management, what are the places that you can go from there?
1: Great question. If you're a manager, you can always come back and be an engineer. That's not the end of the road. Although I see it harder in the industry and I think that's something that we have to work on as an industry to enable people to navigate back and forth between being a leader and an engineer because there shouldn't be a distinct path of like, if you cross this line and became a manager, now you're applying to an engineering Lore. No, 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 you have been not coding for a while. But I was I was like an IC just a couple of years with but I feel like the industry needs to improve on this. I had even a hard time when I applied externally when I was an engineer and I wanted to become a manager. I got a lot of rejections. The first thing on my resume, engineer, nope, uh, we are not getting you as a manager. But how do we enable that you know, mobility in the industry for people so they don't think this is the end and there is always a way to come back. I know like Facebook do a great job at this that you can go become a manager for a couple of years, come back and become an engineer we are en- enabling even more mobility at Netflix for people to transition within teams and they can grow themselves in different directions because we are not one-dimensional people. We are multi-dimensional people. And sometimes we get roles to grow in certain dimensions, but it doesn't mean all dimensions can grow together. So if you want to grow as a manager for a while and grow in your leadership and soft skills and then come back and being an engineer and grow your technical dimensions, that's that's also fine. Netflix, we enable mobility, so I can get back being an engineer or I can, you know, continue to grow in as a leader, as a manager. I think like you're a manager one day, you're a director, you're a VP, people who naturally continue the path of leadership. But again, it's up to you to become a director because that's also a totally different role. The thing is, these are not promotions, especially when it comes to the dimension of leadership. These are different roles with different skill sets. So really understanding that and see if that's, that's the part, that's a role I want to be in and that's a dimension I want to grow back. When I moved, so before Netflix, I was a software architect and uh, also managing the team and I moved to Netflix being an engineer again. And I, if it was a career ladder for me, I would probably go jump into management after that. Cause I used to report to a CTO in my company and I didn't see it like that. Career is not a ladder. The notion of career ladder is very false. I feel like the career for me is like a sign wave or a wave overall. Sometimes I have a title, which is high and another day it's a senior engineer. I think from an architect to a senior engineer was a down path in a title, but not in my dimensions. And that's what was the impact for me because I've grown so much going to Netflix. I've worked in the software at a scale in different languages, globally, and I've learned a ton in my communication and collaboration skills. For me, it was a, it was a ladder, but people don't see that in the title. So really you think about your dimension and your growth as a professional. That's more important than what they give you as a title.
0: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful really people stress out so much about getting to the right level or being on the on the next step of the ladder that they sometimes forget about growing as a person in in dimension and in size not just in step of the ladder
1: totally because i think if you do that it naturally the ladder come with it <laughs> so if you grow yourself as a person you eventually be in a position and role that fits you and uh, going the opposite way is always harder. If you follow a ladder, you have to run behind it and you will never reach.
0: I think that's a, a nice place to, to end. I, I thought it was very impressive to hear about your journey into engineering management. You've experienced so much that it was just very insightful to hear from you and to learn a little bit more about the position of an engineering manager. Definitely everyone that's listening to the podcast should check out your profile on Mentor Cruise and everywhere around the internet. We're going to link them in the description. And also what I wanted to point out, you have a blog post on your profile, which I thought was uh, very insightful about negotiating as an engineer, which again is is a soft skill, which maybe some people kind of overlook. and. some degree shoot in their own leg.
1: Yeah, totally. There are so many softer skills in life and even in profession that are important. And you learn them by the examples. For me, I learned them by my failures and or successes. I don't know. There were moments that I did something and I was like, wow, this works. I should do this more often. And there were moments that I didn't do it and I regret it. I didn't do so many negotiations and I started my career, especially as a woman. I was I was shy. I always wanted to be the nice person. Accept the first thing they tell you and don't question things. And that really hindered my career growth for a while. I hope that was useful for people. But a lot of inspiration of that blog post from a course I took from Chris Voss, who was the FBI negotiator. And he does have this awesome course on masterclass, talks about negotiation. It helps me also negotiating with my house agents and even with people I go outside and deal with and you know if you want to buy a car this is awesome tips so it helps me grow even in life
0: an fbi negotiator is a great person to learn from about negotiating but equally you will be a great person to learn from for all your mentees that are looking to get into engineering management or find their footing in tech so thank you so much for joining me today i thought that was very uh, exciting very very insightful and it was great talking to you
1: thank you Dom, for having me here and thank you for creating this awesome platform
0: i'm glad that you that you like your time here